Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. I'm Ben Olson and with me in Brooklyn, New York is Nathan Fox. What's happening? Dude, you never left. I did not. <laughs> yeah, I uh, just was, <laughs> class was great. I was loving New York City. I I can work from remotely, you know, and um, just felt like hanging out for a while. So I stayed um, Sunday night and then I stayed Monday night. And now I'm going to stay tonight. <laughs> and, okay. And then I have to rush back to LA to get to my class uh, tomorrow night. But yeah, loving it. Cool. Yeah. So what are you going to do tonight? You know, I'm actually going to like work from my hotel room tonight. I have I have a extra help session online, like office hours thing I'm going to do. So. Oh yeah yeah. Um, I'm just going to. I mean, I'll do that from 9.30 to 11.30 and then I'll who knows like end up going out till 4am like I've been doing every night uh, we'll see it's the city that never sleeps yeah. seriously uh, speaking of that city we just finished our class there if you listened to the last episode you would have heard uh, our live recording from that class which was super fun what a great bunch of people yeah huh? that, that was amazing I mean that's the best class I have ever taught. It was super fun teaching with you. It was um, fun having a class that was like basically the podcast audience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah. So, and we have dates for that? We do have dates for that. We will be back in New York City next month, the end of August. Uh, what are the dates exactly? August 25th and 26th. Uh, that's a fr- that's a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, I think like before, we'll show up though on Friday night if you want to come join us. And then ho- all day class on Saturday, all day class on Sunday from 10 to 5. And lots of fun. Materials Outside included. Well. Uh, you'll If you register now, you'll get some pre-homework assignments and some materials right away in the mail. And you can get cracking before that class starts. We will do, in class, we're going to do a different test uh, from the one we did last time. So we did prep test 84 over the weekend, which was super fun, but we're going to have to pick out another test to do, um, I don't know, what do you think, maybe 83? Sure, yeah. Something something recent, but uh, not the last test that we taught together. That way, if anybody wants to come back and take the class from us again, um, you can hear much of the same shtick, uh, all the same concepts, just applied to an entirely different set of LSAT questions. So uh, we'd love to have people back if they're interested. Otherwise, uh, very much looking forward to a brand new crop of people at the end of next month. What did we have? We had about half New Yorkers and about half people from other places. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Some people came from pretty far. I know Corey came from Maine, and uh, where else did people come from? I can't remember now. Uh, all over the country, people came in and like people flew in and made a trip of it. You know, hung out and went to shows and just <laughs> did, went out, went to shows, ate food. Uh, what some of the highlights been? What was some of the most fun things that we did? Okay, so the first night was at that place that had unlimited hot dogs and <laughs> beer or something for really cheap. We, we were at Rudy. We did drinking LSAT at Rudy's in. Uh, in Hell's Kitchen, and it's super cheap. It's five uh, five dollar, no eight dollar pitchers, four dollar shots, eight dollar pitchers, or ten dollar pitchers. I don't know. And we just drank everything. Oh, yeah, and you get a free hot dog with every drink. So it was just like, yeah, tons of booze and tons of hot dogs and tons of fun. And we had a bunch of people from the class came, but then a bunch of also just random listeners came. Yeah, uh, friends of friends, and we had an awesome time hanging out. 
We were there was, way too late. I, I can't I, believe when I got back to the hotel, I was like, wait, it's two o'clock? I don't remember it. <laughs> and then you did LSAT sections after being at the bar drinking. You're an animal. I immediately just passed out. Um, that was, yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, boy, what else? Okay, yeah, so then the next night, or no, Saturday at lunch, we didn't do anything special, did we? It was Sunday at lunch, we went to ice cream at some cool place recommended by Leah, although she slipped away and uh, didn't go to her recommended place. Um, <laughs> it was very good, though, Leah, so thank you. And um, what did we do Saturday night? I can't remember. Why the can't ice remember? cream was awesome. Saturday night was kind of quiet, because we just we, there were a few of us that, that went out and uh, just you know hanging out at the bar. Remember with, like the empty, empty bar that oh. we were at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Irish pub, right? That was, uh, yeah, yeah. You cut out early. A couple of us hung out for a little bit later than that and uh, had a good time. Then um, on Sunday night after the class was over, we actually got on the subway and went down to McSorley's and drank many rounds of, of beers at McSorley's, which was really pretty fantastic, too. Yeah. And then um, had to take off. Thanks to Brenda for giving me a ride to the airport. That was very helpful. So yes, I'm glad yes. my flight was delayed because it was going to leave at seven, but didn't leave until ten twenty, which gave us time to hang out. So I'll plan yeah. better next time. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who came. We had a wonderful time, um, and uh, we will surely be back. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give you some updates on the numbers, uh, if you're curious. The Facebook group, if you haven't joined it, I would do so now, uh, unless, of course, you're driving. Uh, we already have, looks like we're up to 641 members. There are a ton of pictures from the weekend in New York. It's, it's fun to be on there. People have a lot of funny stuff to say. And uh, it's uh, it's really the place where people comment on th- I think on what we're saying on the podcast. So feel free to join that. Surprisingly, ha- yeah, it's 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 I'm I'm getting into it. It's fun to hang out with the Facebook group. Um, I was enjoying the thread today about somebody was asking whether they should choose a, a flour or corn tortilla for their uh, taco that they plan to have before the LSAT. Which I wholeheartedly endorse that plan of having a taco before the LSAT. I think that's genius. Um, and the only correct answer, though, for that is corn. But that corn, thread got yeah. a lot of got a lot of fire there. People were were into that that thread. <laughs> they were. I thought I settled it with the first comment, but apparently not. No way, corn all the way. So speaking of tacos, do you have Taco Bamba? Taco Bamba, no. Oh, Taco Bamba is awesome. Uh, yeah. If you ever come out to DC, I will take you to Taco Bamba, and it's also cheap, so that'll be easy for me to do. Cool. Last night I had uh, two of the greatest tacos I've ever had in my entire life, and I have had a lot of tacos. Wow. I walked the High Line last night. Um, Madison and Amanda recommended to go uh, for a little walk on the High Line, and um, which is spectacular, of course, and mm-hmm. it ended up at Chelsea Market and had the tacos, which was a beautiful recommendation. It was just terrific i don't remember the name of the place but it's just go to chelsea market and get the tacos cool uh we also have 28 patrons on patreon donating 150 wow 150 i feel like that's a jump i don't know what it was before but uh every month thank you very much it helps a lot that's 15 percent or so of our monthly expenses so you're making life a little bit easier for us we have a goal of 100 patrons uh that would be so awesome if everyone could chip in and just join that. 
Um, we also have a goal of $1,500 a month, which would be really nice because then that would cover all of our expenses, which for whatever reason continue to climb. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's it's been fun. It's been totally worth it. Any comments on that? No, that's okay. awesome. Thanks to yeah. everybody for the support so much. Really, it's great. You guys, uh, you guys make it fun, and um, I'm having more fun doing my job than I've ever had before. So, thanks everybody for listening and for commenting and asking questions. And yeah, it's just really great. I agree, hundred percent. This is so fun. Um, we also have 265 ratings on iTunes, uh, putting us at like two stars, which is wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> Obviously, no. Uh, it's a little higher than that, and we appreciate all the support. Um, it's a lot higher than that. But if uh, you're not up to donating uh, and you have a second and you can leave a review on iTunes, that helps as well. Just get the word out for us. So thank you. You can always email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, we try to get as many of those emails on the agenda as we can, although we are kind of overwhelmed at this point. Uh, you can also tweet us at thinking LSAT. You can tweet Nathan at N Fox and you can tweet me at Olson Benjamin. I'm trying to figure that all out. It's fun. Um, by the way, my name is spelled with an O O L S O N. Uh, a lot of people think it's spelled with an E for some reason, but you can also find us at, um, doing our own things in DC. For example, I'm at strategyprep.com and Nathan in San Francisco and LA is at foxlsat.com. We have a lot of free stuff. We have live classes. And of course, we both do one-on-one tutoring. And finally, um, we review personal statements. Uh, we've done it on the show before, if you've been listening, and we love doing it. Uh, but we will do it for you off the show and just rip it apart. If you have a personal statement that you're trying to put together, Email us. It's uh, $995, but that's been fun, and it's catching on. Yeah, awesome. Want to talk about this chart from the Facebook group? I do. So tell us about it. So Ezra posted uh, a chart of all of his results, 38 practice tests, and just simple line graph of uh, progress over time. Okay. Um, it's really, I think it's really interesting. I, I like should, I should ask him and see if I can put this into a book or something because this, this is a is very, very telling. Um, the thing that's sh- a few striking things about it. I mean, Ezra started at about a one, looks like one fifty three, mm-hmm. and ends up uh, bouncing back and forth on the last like six or seven tests bouncing back and forth in between 165 and 170. So that's a very solid improvement. Congratulations. Um, you know, Ezra put in the work and Ezra improved a ton. Yeah. That's one takeaway. Um, another takeaway is these wild swings that happen all the way throughout the whole process. Um, it's kind of only recently that it looks like the data is starting to um, be a little more consistent. Although even that's like sort of small sample, huh? I mean, it, it, there could still be outliers. I mean, in fact, there guaranteed would be outliers if you yeah. kept going with this. But the the thing he said was, it's easy to think you're not improving when you're in the middle of this graph, even though there is improvement. So it's like twenty practice tests in, yeah, and and Ezra scores a one fifty five. 
Yeah. He had been as high as 166, it looks like. And then all of a sudden he puts a 155 on record. And there's a there's another there, you know there's a few scores there that are below 160. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you cover up the right side of the graph with your hand and you only look at the left side of the graph, it just sort of looks like he he improved a little and then crashed. Mm-hmm. You know, or he's his last data point is only like two points higher than his than his initial one at that one at that one spot in the middle of the graph. Yeah, and so he you know he wisely says. Just five or even ten data points cannot always show the true picture. LSAT improvement is, for me, long, slow, and steady. And I just thought that that was very insightful and, um, yeah, really, really useful for people to think about. Yeah, there's a lot of weight that's put on a one or two point change up or down. And you just got to let go of all that and focus on learning. It's human nature. People freak out. They just think... Yeah, I just hear it all the time. Like, I have not improved. Mm-hmm. I, I am not improving, and I, I'm. It's like no, you are. <laughs> the one data point makes it look like you're not, but you certainly are improving. I, I love that, Ben. Just focus on learning. You know, focus on understanding. Mm-hmm. You made you made some mistakes. Now it's time to figure out why you made those mistakes. And if it feels like it's making more sense, then it is making more sense, and eventually, the results will bear that out. But yeah, it's, it can for sure take longer than people think, and it can for sure take more work than people think. You mm-hmm. just got to kind of keep grinding it out. Yeah. And if you're feeling stressed and you can't get your mind off the fact that your score dropped or something like that, find your favorite song that gets you pumped up. Uh, start listening to it and open the book and look for something to learn. Just use that music to help you get away from these negative feelings and all that stuff and just start learning. Nice. Nice. What what would be your like at bat song? What's what's the song that's gonna get you pumped oh, up? Oh, that changes all the time, but um <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Eye of the Tiger? No. Welcome um, to the jungle. Oh, here's a good one. How about Feel So Good by Maze? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that's a start. Okay, very okay. good. Very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Time for this first email? Yeah, let's do it. This looks like it's addressed to you. Oh, okay, then I'll read it. Sure. Um, Its subject was thoughts on retaking in September. Uh, Hello, Nathan. Sorry to bother you, but I was hoping you could give me a bit of perspective on my current situation. I took the June 2018 LSAT, and as I'm sure you've heard by now, we've just gotten our scores back. My first attempt in December 2017, I scored a 155, but in the months after that, I worked my way up to a 158 to 163 range, hovering much more in the 160s in the last couple months leading up to the test. Unfortunately, I just got my official score and saw that I scored at the low end of that score range with a 158. So now that's two scores on record, a 155 and a 158, um, with, mm-hmm. with uh, practice tests in the 160s. Um, I'm torn as to how to proceed from here. Obviously, I know I can score higher than 158 because I have repeatedly done so on my prep tests. But I also know that, unlike summer, when my work lets up and I have time to devote to myself, I will likely be working 70 or 80 hours a week between two physically demanding jobs while also working toward getting my applications for schools ready for the upcoming application cycle. If I'm scoring at the low end of my range when the factors are more in my favor... What hope do I have of doing any better when I'm working myself to exhaustion every day? I feel like I'm trying to tack on more LSAT prep on top of it all. 
I might be setting myself up for failure across the board, and I'll just end up in the exact same position or worse when September scores come in. But I also hate the idea of turning in a score that's lower than I know I can achieve. My family is trying to insist that it can't be that big of a deal, and if I'm having this much trouble, I should just give up on the idea of law school what? This is kind of a run-on sentence. Certainly isn't helping the blow to my confidence either. And I know I'm likely not looking at things as objectively as I should. Um, yeah, okay. We're, I'll just finish this and then we can comment. Huh? I was hoping that I could get your thoughts on the situation as someone who is far more familiar with the process and can look at the situation more objectively. Along with my current 158 score, I have a 3.89 GPA, and I know from your podcasts that I should be looking to get a full ride to any school I apply to. I'm perfectly content to go to a smaller school, and aside from wanting to find work in a city, I have little preference as to where I end up as long as I can get my career going. I don't know if my best course of action would be aim for the September test despite the added workload. Just take the 158 and hope that a school somewhere will still be willing to give me a substantial scholarship or if I should put it off for another year and try again next summer. I'm sure you're getting plenty of these types of emails with the application cycle coming up. Thank you for giving me some of your time. Sabrina. Thoughts? Wow. Well, so first of all, in life, we make a lot of assumptions that are not necessarily true, and sometimes it helps to question the assumptions. Uh, I think one assumption that Sabrina is making here is that she needs to work two jobs. Like, is that absolutely required? I, I don't know your financial situation, but money is um, a two-way street, right? You can earn more money or you can spend less money. Uh, either way will get you where you want to go. So can you move in with a friend, <laughs> move in with family? Like, uh, How necessary is it to take two physically demanding jobs and let those jobs determine your immediate future, how much money you have to pay for law school, where you end up going to law school, and your long-term future uh, by settling for a city or a school that you're not as happy to be at? Yeah, Um Okay, good. So one assumption, maybe you don't need to work so much. Other assumptions? Uh, that your family knows what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that assumption is always wrong. I mean, <laughs> your family just doesn't know shit about law school. Basically, none of, none of y'all's families really know that much about law school, even if they are practicing lawyers. Because yeah. when they went to law school, the whole game was much different from what it is now. And, um, yeah, you just, all these like lawyers that, you know, that you work with or, or people in your family, they just, they don't really know They they don't know, even if they know something about, I mean, they obviously know a lot about legal practice and that world and hiring and that kind of stuff, but they, they don't really understand the LSAT for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, this to me is a clear retake. Oh Yeah. I just can't imagine not retaking it because, hey, 158 is good. You've, you've made some progress. But like we were just talking about with Ezra's chart, these, Ezra has kicked ass and has improved a ton and will end up getting one of those really great scores on record on the official test. Um, but there are a couple bad data points in that chart and it could be that Sabrina just like happened to catch those bad data points on her official tests 
And so if that's the case, it's just tragic for her to not take it again and get something in the 160s. I mean, if she says hovering much more in the 160s in the last couple months leading up to the test. So she's she has put multiple 160 somethings on her practice record. Yeah. And even if it's just a 161 or a 162, that is going to make a really big difference for her admissions and scholarships. For sure. Here's here's another assumption. Yeah. She's assuming that she has to even do anything for the LSAT between now and September. Right. Exactly. I would, pre- I would prefer that she does something, but she doesn't have to do anything. If she just sat on her butt for the next <laughs> two months and then went and took it, that would be a very good use of $180 or $190, I guess now, uh, better than applying to multiple schools or trying to get help on her application in other ways. Yeah, uh, totally. Don't. She has a great GPA, but I don't want her to rely on that. She. It would be really not that hard. I totally agree. I mean, if she, it'd be great if she could do a little bit of studying between now and then. Mm-hmm. Like if she could do find a way to do one test a week. Yep. You know, and you can break it up into four sections, and then yeah. you just really review the shit out of those four sections. Just any any question you miss, you're just going to really thoroughly review it. That's absolutely enough that she could continue to make forward progress and be a very reasonable bet to score in the 160s in September. She also seems to be assuming that if she doesn't score in the 160s, that it was like bad that she took it again. Yeah. And that I don't care about either because law schools are only going to care about your highest score. So taking it again in September, I mean, there's still plenty of time between now and September and she just keeps chipping away at it. Mm-hmm. And ends up with anything in the 160s is going to make her applications just—it's going to really change things. Yeah, so I she, agree. it's great. You know, she's she's open to a, a small school, and she you know wants that full ride, which is great. Um, but it's going to be a lot easier to get that full ride with a 162 than with a 158. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. Yeah. All right. So this is an e. <laughs> this is hilarious. Okay, this was forwarded to us from someone who got it from GMU, George Mason University, here in the lovely Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, this email is subject, the subject line is Become a great writer and a great lawyer. First line Lawyers write, period. Legal employers report that they like George Mason's Antonin Scalia school, Law School graduates because they come to practice prepared to write. <laughs> Want to read that again? Uh, let me try it. Legal, impor- legal employers report that they like George Mason's Antonin Scalia Law School graduates because they come to practice prepared to write. Not a great sentence. Not, no. not a great sentence when you're, when you're kicking off an email about how great of writing you teach at your school. No, this is, uh, I'm having trouble reading it out loud. Um, okay. Also, the they at the end, the, the they there, there's two they's. Yep. The first one refers to legal employers. Mm-hmm. But then the second one is supposed to be referring to the graduates of the school yeah but it's a little bit ambiguous isn't it yeah i mean technically the rule says the most the closest okay noun but yeah it's still something that 
<laughs> there are rules and then there's what clicks in our minds as we're reading something and good writers make sure that it clicks in our minds in the right way. And the twos there, they come to oh. practice, prepared to write. to write. It's just, it's so clunky. That's like, if you had read that out loud, you would have stumbled yeah. over it and you would have said, oh, I should say this in some other way. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. If I were to rewrite this sentence, I'd say something like, law firms love our graduates because you don't need to say you're a freaking school, especially when it's such a long one. And, um, hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, I absolutely don't need to say the full ass name of the school there. That's just like, <laughs> this is not doing anything for your sentence. You're not getting your point across. Yeah. Um, they could have thrown in there, like, you know, legal employers report that they like George Mason's Antonin Scalia Law School graduates located on third street. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, law, law, I would. I wouldn't say legal. I mean, I understand that legal employers is more inclusive, but like, I just it's still kind of vague. So I'd say law school or law firms love our graduates because they are prepared to write, or they are they're good at writing, or something like that, or they know how to write. The, yeah. Okay. Onward. Yeah, we require four semesters of skills based legal research and writing courses. Comma and two additional academic writing course semesters. Okay, well that's grammatically or incorrect. You don't want to put a comma there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, by the way, this is a side note for all our listeners. Don't ever, ever in your life use the word additional. You can always use more. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Uh, 55% of Mason's Scalia Law students participate on at least one legal journal. Okay. Many but, now, employers- but, but that, hold on, that sentence. Yeah. There's an extra line break, it looks like, above that. It's a, it's, its own paragraph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extra line break. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's an extra line break that snuck in there somehow. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that is, it's possible that that happened when we copied and pasted this in. Let's not talk about that. Okay, it's yeah, we're perfect. I mean, let's we not talk not... about our our own copy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Oh, um, the that sentence is bolded mm-hmm. and italicized. Yeah, that's a big deal. We're we're <laughs> we're calling some serious attention to this sentence. The funny thing about this is if you want to call attention to the fact that most of your students participate on at least one legal journal, you don't want to write out the phrase 55%. I know they did it because it's the beginning of the sentence, but uh, that's not going to kick anyone in the face. You want to show numbers, you say 55% and you write it out as a percentage with actual numbers, or you just say most, right? Yeah, I mean, you could say over half. Over half, that's good. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be good. That yeah. would actually even make it sound sexier because it's you know fifty five. Let's oh you get to say over half. It's fifty five percent. You get you get to say over half. So say You're over half. To. Yeah, yeah. And and I I always thought that there was some rule like if it's in the single digits you write out the words. But writing out why yeah five five would have been fine here. Not mm-hmm. not the words fifty five. Yeah. Mm, okay. It was bold and italics. All right. Now we go back to normal. Okay. Oh, okay. Normal sentence here. Normal paragraph. Many employers seek law graduates who have journal experience. 
All right. Scalia Law School offers five student-edited professional journals that will help you gain the writing experience. Colon. That will help you gain the writing experience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying here. It'll help you gain writing experience. Um, That's not what that says. That says that will help you gain the writing experience. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying to help. (laughs) Who is this? Lisa? Oh, Justin. I'm trying to help Justin out here. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then the five law schools are listed. George Mason Law Review, published four times annually. Civil Rights Law Journal, published three times annually. The Law of Journal and Economics and Policy, published twice. Okay. Becoming a great attorney means learning how to be a great writer. I agree with that. We give you the tools to be a great writer and a great attorney. Exclamation point. Apply today. It's free. Exclamation point. Wow. Well, hey, they got something right there. You can apply for free. Yeah, that's wonderful to, that you can apply for free. Um, I'm sorry for blowing this guy up like so so bad. You know, per, we I guess maybe don't need to say any more of his name or anything. Um, yeah, Adam can cut that out if, it, <laughs> if it's easy to do so. Yeah, it... it, it Notice here on these bullet points where it lists out all the reviews, the law reviews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says published four times annually using the number four. It yeah. says published three times annually using the number three. Then it says published twice annually. <laughs> <laughs> the very next one. Why does that even matter? Who cares how many times it was published? I, right. So I don't think that's right. That doesn't even need to be in there anyway. And then it's just the whole thing is it's an email about great writing. The first two words are lawyers write. And there are like 20 things in this email that should be changed. Um, this anyways, is actually, this is a comedy. really good. I'm starting to die here. I don't know what my problem is, but yeah. <clears throat> Need to um, take a break, get some water or something? No, I'm, I think I'm okay. Power through, yeah. Power through, yeah. <laughs> um, if uh, I've seen this happen in personal statements, sometimes people will mention how they're a good writer, and it's a horrible thing to do because no matter how good you are, all of a sudden the reader becomes laser focused on what you're saying in that moment from a stylistic point of view, and anything else that you might have said in that statement that was remotely off now becomes like counter evidence, which then draws into question everything else that you've said. You're claiming that you're a good writer. They don't think that you're necessarily a great writer. And now they're like, well, hmm, that's strange. So don't ever say that. I mean, that also falls into the trap of telling rather than showing, but it's just something you never want to do. Oh boy. Okay. Next one. Yeah. You got it. I got it. Hi guys. Thanks for an awesome podcast. This is just a quick note to tell you that now I see how right you were in recommending that we register for the July LSAT before receiving the June score. Here I am with a subpar 158 after scoring consistently in the 160 to 162 range for weeks. Really bombed RC for some reason. And as you can guess, I don't have the July LSAT to look forward to and I am mad at myself. After the June LSAT, I was just wallowing in how tired I was, focusing on how I have a full-time job and two small kids, and how hard it is to study in addition to everything else on my plate. I know, wah, wah, cry me a river, who isn't busy? And in retrospect, that was just so dumb and completely illogical for so many reasons. 
I'd pay twice the registration fee now to get to take that July LSAT exclamation points. Now the soonest I can retake is September and it's killing me. So you were right and I was wrong. Let that be a lesson to everyone else. Everyone, don't be like me and go register for both September and November LSATs. Uh, and that is from Yuliana. Cool. Yep. <clears throat> kind of speaks for itself. Go ahead and register yeah. for multiple tests if you can. Um, you're not going to regret it. Thank you. Oh, shit. Ooh. Personal statement time. Yeah, well, this is... Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Are there more than one here? Are these two separate ones, right? Uh, this is two... Yes, this is two separate ones. Okay. Hey, people this weekend were uh, asking for more of these. We, we were... At, polling the uh, audience on what we should do more of. And one of the first things that people said was they love it when we do the personal statements. So, Okay. So there's no here information go. here. So I don't, we don't know anything about this person except for what they've written in their personal statement. So yes. I guess we'll just jump in. Um, <clears throat> here goes nothing. At an exceptionally young age. Okay. I, I'm already nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting to we got the L Y uh adjective right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or no, it's an adverb because it's modifying already an adjective. Is that right? Um uh, No, I think that um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's L Y. One thing you could you can um tighten up your writing by being very suspicious about adjectives and adverbs that end in L Y. That's they, right. They really frequently Definitely should be omitted. They really frequently, definitely <laughs> should be very important that they be omitted. Very importantly, <laughs> critically, even yeah, should so be should be omitted. Here's 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 one word for you to focus in on. Never ever use the word very, uh, and be very suspicious of actually and really. These are words that try to make your writing sound more em- emphatic and they actually do the opposite. So just cut them out, read the sentence again, and you'll like it better. So here we have at an exceptionally young age. Uh, we don't need the exceptionally. It's scary. Also, I'm nervous because why, 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 why are we talking about something from a very young age? Uh, in general, that is just stuff we don't care about. We care about who you are now. If this has some impact on who you are now and it's very significant and important, very is significant, by the way, um, then I guess it will be justified. But my guess is that it won't be. Let's take a look. At an exceptionally young age, I learned the important lesson of choosing to get back up whenever I fail. Oh, no, 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 no. This sounds too cliche. (laughs) Well, (laughs) hold on. It's like, hold on a second. It doesn't say fail either, Ben. Oh, when I fall. When I, I fall. It says, yeah, I think you did. Well, anyway, it says fall. So yeah. the sentence is about being at an exceptionally young age, I learned the important <laughs> lesson of choosing to get back up whenever I fall. Okay. That means to me that you learned to walk at a very young age and or... <laughs> What? It's an except <laughs> at an exceptionally young age. You're a prodigy walker. That's uh, what else does that? What are you talking about? 
it's not you got people got to cut out these introductions. Yeah. Your you most know? important sentence is your first sentence. It's more important I think than your last. And this is this is a fail. No matter what you say now. Yeah, not not good. Okay. Not good. So, uh so and so continues not only to get up but to also show that no amount of pain can take away the one thing that I hold close, colon, my strength and my faith. Oh, we don't know anything yet about anything. This is all just abstract platitudes. All this is needs to go. You know what? I just realized something, too. Mm. This, is, um, this is Spicy Butt's personal statement. Spicy Butt, we love you. But this is we do. Go. <laughs> <laughs> we do love you, but yeah, this this has to go. Um, Spicy Butt came to our drinking LSAT on Friday night, and that was awesome. We had celebrities at that shit, didn't we? We did. They were more popular than we were, of course. Spicy Butt and Splitty both in the same room at the same time. Yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah, it was funny when people made that realization. They're like, "Oh, you're Splitty." <laughs> <laughs> they got a little starstruck. Yeah. Um, okay. One thing here to note, by the way, uh, I like the. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like how it's used here, but I like uh, the what is it called? The transition phrases, not only and but also, but when you use them, the but also has to stay together. So just FYI for anyone out there who wants to use not only but also. Continuing on, the strength to carry on and the faith that one day. I will be able to bring justice to children and families like mine. Wait. That's uh that's a fragment. Right. Which you know, I would allow it once in a while um for effect. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, that is a fragment. It, I just hope she knows that it is. Um I guess here we finally get a little bit of actual information about Spicy Butt, mm-hmm. which is that she's interested in justice for children and families. Yeah. So at least we have a tiny, now we have learned a fragment of a fact about Spicy Butt. We, we still don't know what types of children and families she's talking about, mm-hmm. but we do know that she wants to work with children and families. Yeah, but that's a whole lot of words to say just something that small. Mm-hmm. So basically, this entire paragraph has to go. Yeah, and this is something that you can convey through the story that you tell, and you can say it at the end. I want to help bring justice, uh, even, but even bringing justice—that's very abstract and uh, something I would be cautious about saying. Okay, so spicy butt continues. Wow, this is it's kind of heavy. I was physically abused by my bi- biological father from as early as I can remember to when I was about eight years old. Oh, uh, what do you think about saying that? I I think you can say it. Okay, I, I would. I don't. I mean, I. It depends on what you say after that. Yeah. That's okay. that's your story. If that's your story, that's your story. It's your story. So you can say a lot. I think. Yeah. But you know, this is, hey, it's a fact. Yeah. It's dark. 
Okay. Well, that's you something know? that's pretty serious and would have a significant impact on your life. So talking about something from this age might actually be justified, but it is among the rare exceptions. Let's see here. She continues, Raised in a dominantly Filipino and Catholic family, I was subject to many strict rules and high standards. If I did not obey, which I frequently did not, corporal punishment followed. It became a normalcy to me. My father would justify that he beat me because he loved me and that he wanted me to learn how to behave. Instead, I learned how to be strong and resilient. No matter what pain I endured at home, I vowed that I would leave that place and make it my mission to make someone else's day. You know, sorry, just pause here. Knowing spicy, but uh, it does seem like she has made that her mission. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm like now I'm all in. This paragraph, I'm just I'm all in. I, I it's um, and I, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm tainted because I know her. Yeah, but I, um, I, I well, I just because I know her, I believe it. But I, fuck, now yeah, I'm like I'm tainted because I know her. I know that's exact because when I read this, I thought about about her interactions and stuff with people at the yeah. This week, in any case, um, <clears throat> I would not let the abuse crush my comedic, resilient, and optimistic spirit. That is how I choose to live my life as early. That's how I chose to live my life <clears throat> as early as I could. Start thinking. This is also the way I see myself continuing to be, especially throughout my legal career. Okay, so I think that. If we were to step away from this and ignore the stuff that we know about her, uh, this a lot of these sentences are unfortunately telling. Yes, that's what ways. I was going to say too. So the first half of this paragraph has all it's like tons of facts. This happened. Yep. That happened. Here's what here's what people did. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. Um, but then, <clears throat> yeah, the last three sentences, I guess. I would not let the abuse, abuse crush my comedic, resilient, and optimistic spirit. But that, but you're, yeah, that's unfortunately telling. I like it, but you're going to need like examples. Yeah. In order to sell that. Okay. So the next sentence does start with, it looks like some facts. So let's see what she says here. When I was eight years old, my father chased and curb stomped me for commenting that my mother who worked tirelessly at a night shift as a night shift nurse had no time during the day to play with me um what does it mean well, i don't know what that means curb stomped i don't know what that means either it makes me think of that scene in american history x where edward norton makes someone grab like makes someone put their teeth on the curb and he smashes their head from behind with his boot Ooh. and kills them yeah, it's okay. fucking brutal. That's a good movie. Edward Norton's a good actor. He is um, a good actor. Um, okay. He, uh, I, so I, I would get, I would get that rid of that. Nobody's going to know what it means, or it sounds so horrifying that I don't, I wouldn't put that. Especially because now we have stomping coming in the next. Okay. Um, she continues. I remember running and hiding in a closet in our basement, listening to my father's loud stomps from above move toward me. The stomps that I heard, loud and booming, while hiding in the closet. Hmm? I don't follow that fragment. I suddenly felt hard and powerful on my 
small stomach and crumpled body, crying out apologies as I tried to shrink, shrink myself into a small ball on my parents' carpet floor. The next afternoon, my mother took my younger brother and I to escape while my father was away at work. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking bad. I mean, wow, that is, that is terrible. Um, depends where she goes from here. It's too graphic, I think. Yeah, that's intense. I spent many days in busy hallways and hushed courtrooms thereafter. Can I just a little bit, though, on the, um, the storytelling of that paragraph? I mean, maybe the whole thing just needs to be really kind of cut, like because it's just too much. Yeah. But the way she told the story there, like she she she's mentioning that she's get she in the first line, the first sentence, it's like I'm actually getting stomped. Then she goes, "I remember running and hiding in a closet." Mm-hmm. But I thought that was at that same time. Or but what she's doing there is she's trying to give a flashback to when she heard stomping in the house. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, and then now I felt the stomping on my body. But it's just confusing for the reader to understand the way she's doing that anyway, the way it's structured. Yeah. And it's too, it's just too much. I think it's, that's got to go. You could say that he hit you or something like that and just leave it at that. And that would explain why you left the next day. Okay, I spent many days in busy hallways and hushed courtrooms thereafter. That's crazy. It was impossible for me to believe that I was not to blame for breaking my family apart. Huh. Yeah, that's what a lot of kids think. They think that if something happens, it's their fault, where it's totally the opposite. The more people I showed my bruises and scars, the more guilt I harbored. It was not until I met my lawyer, my guardian ad litem. How do you say that again? Ad litem. Guardian ad litem. Yeah. That made me start to feel strong and resilient once again. Hmm. Meeting my attorney, he gifted me a teddy bear as a reassurance gift that everything that had happened to me was not on me to blame. Now, these sentences need to be reworked, but I like what's being said here. Yep. Moments later, I knocked the new bear into a toilet after carelessly trying to flush. Oops. Crying over this uh, sopping, the sopping wet bear, then wrapped in two layers of one-ply toilet paper, my lawyer kneeled down in front of me. He spoke matter-of-factly. It's neither you nor the bear's fault. After all you've been through, that bear can take it. She can learn a few things from you. The lawyer took the bear and wrung it out. She fell, and you helped pick her back up. And look, unraveling the toilet paper from the wet bear... Still the same beautiful bear. He smiled. I beamed back, grinning as I reached for the peed-on, toilet-watered bear. (laughs) Yep. I remember feeling the muscles in my cheeks spasm as I remembered how good it felt to feel hope spread across my face. There's a lot to work with here. There's a lot of that that's really good. Mm -hmm. I love the bear. I love the toilet water. I love the one-ply toilet paper. Yeah. Um, these, she needs these, to put some hyphens. Mm-hmm. She needs some hyphens on one ply toilet paper. Mm-hmm. How about, can we put a hyphen on peed on? Yep. And certainly on toilet watered. I think I'd just, I'd just drop the whole toilet watered. Really? As I reach for the peed on. I like Hell toilet yeah. watered. I th- it's just, 
I, that's I would leave it, but I'm just trying to avoid too many noun descriptors. But yeah, yeah, and some of these like some of these sentences, you just need to read them out loud and make sure they flow on their own. I'm okay with a fragment maybe once, but I feel like there are too many in here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, continuing. Oh, one other thing. Um, <clears throat> did you catch the uh, misspelled word? No. Where Where is it? It's right there. Oh, sopping. Oh, no, I missed that one. Where? Sopping? That's fine. No, I didn't. That's not That's not. What word, word are you talking What word are you highlighting? Rung it? it out? Rung. Mm. She spelled it R-U-N-G. Easy one to miss. Yep. Does a spell check, he doesn't get it. Nope. Yep. Okay. My guardian ad litem was like a mirror that inflected a light to shine toward a career where I know I can also be an agent of change for others. I want to become an attorney who represents the lost, guides those to be the best they can be, and help repair what they feel has broken. I think the mirror needs to go. Yeah, there's no need for this analogy. That's too that's just too artistic. I mean, it's it's okay to say your relationship with your guardian ad litem was the thing that really, you know, you knew that you wanted to work in this career. Like your experience and the interaction that you had with your guardian ad litem and you're like that's me. But a mirror yeah. that inflected a light to shine toward a career? What? Wait, you is can it a mirror? Replace. Are you looking at yourself in the mirror? Or is it like a flashlight or like a lighthouse? Or like, do we need this simile at all? Well, you can replace these like eight words with just my, my guardian ad litem inspired me to become or motivated me to pursue a career where I know I can also be an agent of change for others. Even that, it seems a little... Yeah, just we can we help that. others. Yeah. Just just try to speak in more plain English like you would to a friend and then occasionally add a little flair or visualization here and there. Let the facts yeah. speak for themselves. Yeah. Okay. Um where did I end? I want to become an attorney. Okay, yeah. Oh, also you have a list here. I want to become an attorney who represents the lost comma guides those to be the best they can that they can be it should be who they can be comma you need a comma before the and uh in the legal world the oxford comma trumps uh so use that don't skip that in any case uh this objective will remain unchanged as i embark on my journey to pursue a legal a career in law Okay, don't need that. I believe law school will further Yeah, because yeah, because you don't know you can't really predict the future like that. I mean, I believed you already that that this was where you were going. Mhm. And now when you say this is never going to change, then I'm immediately like, well, but, you know, <laughs> life is long and twisting and all kinds of weird shit happens and you just never know, you never know because you never know. And big law pays a lot of money. Yeah, and so many people say this. Uh, you're naturally going to inspire skepticism in your readers mm-hmm. uh, when you say something so conclusory like that. So just you could go ahead and skip that. Yep. Okay, go ahead. 
I believe law school will further challenge my critical thinking and intellectual abilities. You don't need to tell them what you think law school yeah. will do for you. They already never know s- that. Never say that, yeah. Yeah, uh, so we can skip the rest of this. Currently, I am a member of a two-year fellowship called Children's Corps. A course, what, how do you say that? Children's Corps. Core, yeah, I obviously have reading problems. Where I work as a case planner at a Queens-based foster care agency advocating for the permanency, safety, and well-being of children. Okay, fact. At first, the work terrified me. I felt as though I was willingly walking into a game of Russian roulette with my past, one bullet, and several deadly triggers. Nonetheless, I choose to play the game. I don't know about that metaphor. There's Russian roulette has one trigger. There's one bullet and one trigger. Mm-hmm. So I don't. This, this is the the metaphor there of Russian roulette doesn't really work. Here's just a general rule about metaphors: avoid them unless they seem very fitting. And another mistake that a lot of people make with metaphors is that they mix them. Right? They say like. <laughs> Uh, something like this, and then they bring in a totally different metaphor, like you have to, uh, I don't know, I can't think of one right now. But the point is, if sometimes if you're making a metaphor, you can see that you're making two in one sentence. And it's like, no, choose one or choose none. In any case, yeah. Not- well, she could say she could she could definitely say triggers. Even using that word triggers is already sort of making a. Metaphorical, you're, you're putting things metaphorically, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody knows commonly, you know, that she has these triggers. So it's difficult for her to work in this field because of the triggers. Mm-hmm. But she just doesn't need to be talking about Russian roulette at all. Sure. Because then, totally. then I start being an asshole and going, well, wait a second. You're playing a special kind of Russian roulette where there's multiple triggers. What kind of gun is this with all mm-hmm. the tri- multiple triggers? What? Yeah, okay. Nonetheless, I choose to play the game. Um, so you were, you were talking in the past tense and now you're talking in the present tense. I'm not sure why you're doing that, but maybe it's cause it's an ongoing choice. Okay. A year later of conducting home visits, leading family team conferences, developing solution based action plans, writing permanency court reports and managing 13 cases and 17 children. My experiences have only bolstered my convictions to go to school and learn how to pursue justice for those who cannot represent themselves. Uh, you don't need to list all these things that you're doing. Um, maybe choose one and elaborate on it. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't like this big list, especially developing solution based action plans. That just sounds like corporate. That's some MBA bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds right. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I just like detail so much. I do like detail. So 13 cases and 17 children. Cause here's the thing. Um, Spicy Butt has a very strong why law school aspect to her personal statement. Mm hmm. It actually makes sense for her, right? Yep. So she, like, the law schools are going to be like, oh, yeah, this person is going to be a lawyer. Like, Mm -hmm. she knows what, she knows this field. And so, Mm -hmm. yep, she's in the field. And so, and it's perfect because it ties her personal story to work that she's actually done. And so I really like that she can emphasize that in her personal statement. It just makes her look like she's actually going to be a successful lawyer, which law schools are (laughs) really interested in trying to 
you know, admit people who are going to be successful in the legal world. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they, they admit so many people who are not going to be <laughs> that they compete for the ones who are. Yeah. And so she's really, I like that she's, that she's telling this specific story about the work that she's done. It makes her look very, you know, serious. She's, mm-hmm. no, I'm actually doing this stuff. So <laughs> yeah, some details and then maybe go a little bit deeper into this. Um, like when you're writing, I mean, writing reports for courts, that's like a big deal. That is a big deal. You know, so she could, she could maybe elaborate there, talk about what, what those are like and what she's learned from doing that or something, but then make it, then it's like very obvious that, oh no, I'm comfortable writing to judges. Yeah. I think that if, uh, she took a lot of the details that were presented at the beginning that were too too graphic and uh, over the top. Take those out, include the bare minimum to explain why she had a tough childhood and had to leave and then become part of the court system, and that's how she met her uh, guardian. If we can get there faster, then she'll have more space to talk about things that she's doing now, including writing permanency court reports, uh, even leading family conferences, managing these cases, all these things uh, would be very insightful as to who she is and what she knows. Yep. Uh, also here, we have a fragment leading up to a semicolon. Y- you, yeah, it, semicolons are like periods. So if you can put a, per- if you can replace the semicolon with a period, then it was a good use or it could have been a good use, but here you could not have done that so this is she actually did it earlier too a little higher up in the statement you you went over it pretty quick but she did that the second time so yeah it's looking like semicolon privileges have been revoked (laughs) hold on so we need an acronym for that semicolon privileges have been semicolon privileges revoked SPR yeah SPR or SCPR yeah yeah Okay, so um, my experience have only bolstered my conviction to go to school and learn how to pursue justice for those who cannot represent themselves. I, I think that is shifting back into telling. Um, I think that we just understand that from your experiences and the fact that you're applying to law school, so I would drop that. Yep. At a young age, this is a new paragraph, I learned the importance of getting back up whenever I fall. Hmm. Okay, we're repeating ourselves. Today, I continue to stand by my experiences and grow from them every day. From my pain, bore a conviction for justice. Uh, again, another fragment. I think well, you're going to have a, there is supposed to be a a a verb. I'm not sure. Like, what's is it going bore on. like but like childbearing, or you know you know what I mean. Oh, if you get rid of from, okay, my change pain. it to okay. my pain bore a conviction for justice. Yeah, it was still it's it's not a good. I don't like it. Analogy. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't like it. We you do also, get your point. You you just in general. So these are general rules for any, anyone. I would avoid the word justice. It's too vague. It's too idealistic. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Everybody wants justice for everybody else, but that justice can be uh, all in the eye of the beholder, and it it doesn't speak to a plan. When you start talking about writing permanency reports and uh, leading family team conferences, that 
sounds like you're create you're providing justice for people, but you don't actually say, "Oh, I've provided justice for you." You say, "I've helped solve your problem in a very practical way," and that's that's really what you mean. So, in any case, yep. um, from that conviction, a call to impart my strength onto others. Again, another fragment. We lift ourselves, we lift others as we rise, and I am determined to rise up for many. Again, this is just telling. This has all got to go. I think I would end by saying, I mean, you could even, I, I don't know what you think about this, but something along the lines of, I look forward to continuing to help these families just as an attorney. Or to you know improve my ability to help these families with an education, like that's a very practical thing that will happen. If you go get a law degree, you can now come back and help these families in a way you can't help them right now, or something along those lines. If you want to wrap things up, yeah, yeah. There's, there's. You could just use the real estate for facts and stuff that's actually happening. They're, they're trying to learn about you. They don't need the sort of like rhapsodizing that so many people do. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Yeah. Lots to work with there. Lot, lot to work with. One thing, um, I might consider making the second half of it a little bit more chronological. Like you could, it, you could just tell it pretty straightforwardly. You know, like this is what happened to me. This is the, this is what I did next. This is what I did next. This is what I did next. And now law school is the obvious next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she kind of goes to the law school. You know, or, well, we told her to get rid of this objective will remain unchanged as I embark on my journey to pursue a career in law, and I believe law school will further challenge my blah blah blah, all that stuff. It's like you know, I'd rather just hear you. Okay, after you met your guardian ad litem and got inspired, then what did you do next? Mm-hmm. Tell me about what you've been doing. Tell me about because if she just tells me about all her work that she's been doing, then it's like, yeah, got it. And then a, you know, a quick thing of like, yeah, I could like be one sentence that says law school. Yeah, I don't think you need to talk about justice or law school ever. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it, yeah. It's, well, they know you're applying to law school. Yeah, it's not like they're surprised at the end. They're like, oh. Law school. <laughs> they're, they're definitely, they know that that's what this is. If you so, really don't yeah. give a fuck, you could just write, this is why I want to go to business school and see what, you know, <laughs> see what that does for you. They admit you anyway because they want your money. Yeah. <laughs> then you're like, well, I guess you don't care. Um, hmm. Okay, cool. Thank you, Spicy Butt. There's a lot there. Wow. It's yeah. uh, nice to get to know you even better. So. Yeah, she has she has a lot to work with there, and she's she also was just a delight. I mean, as so many other people who came to uh, drinking LSAT are just delightful. But, yeah, um, yeah, she's she. We're kind of homies, just like immediately. Um, I've known her now for a little while because we did a tutoring session a while back, and we just kind of connected. She's a <laughs> she's <laughs> she's funny. She's yeah. a quite entertaining character. Mm-hmm. Do we have time to do? One more? Uh, I think so. We might First have to... ever back-to-back personal statements. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. This is from one of my um, online students, and I know he's been waiting for a while for this, um, but I think this I think this personal statement is pretty good. And, well, as I recall. Well, let's, let's see. 
We'll do it kind of quickly because I think it's awesome. The captain woke me up at two in the morning, semicolon. The ship's steering lost power while navigating a tight channel in rough seas. I ran down to the engine room and found the chief engineer in a panicked state. This was his first assignment as chief, semicolon. Our ship was now rolling uncontrollably in a high-traffic shipping lane, and a collision with a nearby ship was likely. Here, I diagnosed... Oh, oh, sorry. This is really go good. I'm just going to interject before I forget. High traffic should be hyphenated. This is oh, so okay. good, High though. traffic. We're, we're going to be nitpicking hyphen. details here because yeah. this is excellent. Semicolons, I, this is, that's too many, though. Two semicolons in the first three sentences is too many. Wait, did he do three? Wait, I only saw one. Two. Where's there's the one in the one? first sentence and there's oh, one in the third yeah, sentence. Yeah, yeah, no, stop. These are for yeah. like parallel sentences that it's think about it this way. A semicolon is a period between two sentences that are so closely related or or written in parallel that you're trying to emphasize their closeness. But I like the but, first semicolon. Okay. So the captain woke me up at two in the morning, semicolon. The ship's steering lost power while navigating a tight channel in rough seas. Okay, so it's explaining why he woke you up. But one thing yeah. to keep in mind is that all sentences <laughs> should be closely related. They have to like, <laughs> yeah. flow from one to the yeah. next. Yeah, right. So yeah, you wonder sometimes why people are choosing semicolon instead of just a period there. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they learned how to do it. And so then they just like, it's a trick that they just want to do all the time. Yeah. So here's my rule of thumb. I never use semicolons unless I have a... T- two sentences that are written in parallel language. So, for example, um, John ate a hot dog, semicolon, Sarah ate a hamburger. I mean, those are stupid sentences, but the point is is that for some reason I'm trying to emphasize the relationship and I'm bringing them together with a semicolon, but otherwise, yeah, your sentences should be close together and they should be separated by periods. Okay, I love a sem- I love a semicolon. Um, I probably overuse them. I I think they're nice. Oh, I don't really I know l- why. I but. love them too, but I think that if you're just doing it for the sake of a semicolon, then it's like, how is it going to distinguish yeah. that sentence or those yeah. two sentences from other sentences? Well, and the, and then so this se- the third sentence here is an example of where it's just not needed because this was his first assignment as chief semicolon. Our ship was now rolling uncontrollably in a high traffic shipping lane, and a collision with a near with a nearby ship was likely. You could just go ahead and put a period there, and it, that would you, those don't. There's no need for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, onward. Yep. All right. I diagnosed an electrical fault in our high voltage panel. After cutting power to where the fault lay, the steering pumps were free to start. I radioed the bridge and instructed them to restart the steering the steering pumps, and the ship was soon safely on its way. Um, I am learning something about this guy. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm, I'm leaving out the name because I think he wanted it to be a little bit anonymized. But I'm just I'm I'm learning. You know, I don't think that stuff. I mean, it, I'm sure his resume, obviously, and his his letters of recommendation and stuff are gonna. It's gonna be clear that he was on boats. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is immediately giving me a like a vision of this guy. Yeah. You know, like this guy's been through some crazy shit <laughs> and that's some very high stakes action right there. So I'm getting to know this guy. It, oh, that's mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, no, there's a couple of uh, messages that are being sent. Uh, one is through the story and that he 
can deal with high stress situations or have leadership or whatnot, but it's also his writing. His writing is conveying uh, a sharpness, right? I, yeah. I know how to write. So therefore, what does that imply? That implies a whole host of other things that yeah. you're smart and that you're ready for this profession, which is all about writing. Yeah. I would add one thing here. Um, it says, and the ship was soon safely on its way. That could be a sentence that stands on its own. So you need a comma before the end. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yep. So comma after pumps there. Comma after pumps. Yep. Or you could just make it its own sentence. You could. Yeah. Um, okay. This was not the first emergency situation that I have encountered. I have spent time in areas of conflict where hazard pay was an added line on pay stubs. While I was working on a gas tanker off the coast of Africa, our ship was chased by pirates. I flew out of Cairo the day before the Egyptian Revolution protests fully escalated. My training as a marine engineer and a merchant marine prepared me to make sound decisions under extreme pressure. My eight years in the engineering field taught me the value of persistence and determination. I also developed a curiosity for understanding how and why systems work. There's a little bit of telling there, but there's also so many facts that the facts justify the telling. Okay, uh... I have a slightly different take. I was a little put oh. off by this paragraph in the sense that, yes, I agree with you that facts and facts are good, but there's almost so many, I started to get a feeling that this was kind of like splitty. Like, wow, you've done so many <laughs> things. Like, like what, what like conflict in the world have you not been to, you know? And so I, this part of my skepticism came alive because it's like you had this ship experience. Do you have another one that you could elaborate on? I don't know. Like I'm just starting to question how serious all these events were if you've been through so many of them. Like just the pirates one alone is, is interesting, you know? Huh. Okay. Well, I don't have that I don't have that reaction at all. Well, that's fine. I mean, he he gets two different two different perspectives on it there. I I don't have that for I don't that's funny. This this does not it's not off-putting to me at all. But okay. I get it. I yeah. get it. I mean, <laughs> the litany of accomplishments that does at some point get Get taxing. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm I'm not there yet. Maybe but I'll get there. As I guess I keep going. what my skepticism is saying to me is like, how serious were these really? Right? Like, I flew out of Cairo the day before the Egyptian Revolution protest fully escalated. So what? Does, does, was that was that a crazy experience? Or are you just um, telling us that because it sounds cool? Like you had something yeah. to some challenge that you had to go through there, or were you just at a base eating lunch and they're like, "Hey guys, we got to get out of here," and you right. left. And right. what what leadership, what experience did you gain from that? And I don't know. Anyways. Right. Okay. My role with Royal Dutch Shell took me around the world. I visited 25 countries to date. I have enjoyed both traveling and working with international crew. Some of my greatest learnings have revolved around legal concerns, compliance requirements, and the patent process. International law dictated how and where our ships sailed, the types of armed personnel that could guard ships crossing specific waters, and crew member and ship requirements. Zoning laws impacted much of my work as a designer. I worked closely with government offices, which designing floors ooh, which designing floors on Rockefeller Center and passing NYC building codes. That sentence is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to fix that. Throughout my designing and engineering career, I became most interested and passionate about patent work. Uh-oh. Needs to be interested in and passionate about. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't really want to hear you talking about passion. Yeah. 
it's just it's so conclusory, and everybody says it, and it's just I, I, I that's on the no fly list. I think mm-hmm. the word passion or passionate. I don't. That's not. I don't need to hear that. You can show me that you're passionate. Just stop telling me about it. Um, this paragraph has too many semicolons. It has at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going a little nuts with the semicolons. We better hurry here. We're gonna. We got. We're up against it. We got a meeting. We got to get to. Yeah. Um, while working for a firm in Manhattan, I assisted a partner. Capitalized? Do you capitalize partner? No. Okay. Developing a patent for a skyscraper rain collection system. The intent was to collect rainwater in large tanks. That should be one word, rainwater, in large tanks and periodically discharge to the storm drain system to prevent flooding and overload. Before submitting the patent application, I worked closely with software developers on the main controller to direct which signals, inputs, and outputs. Wait, what? To direct which signals, inputs, and outputs? Doesn't make sense. That's broken. Okay. The design included backup pumps and an automated valve to prevent overflowing. I enjoyed the experience of documenting the system and working with the inventor and the rest of the team to solve a specific problem that will have a large impact. Ugh. A little vague there at the end. Just a I hate the word impact in general. Uh, but it's also a specific problem, but you're not going to mention it? Or I guess mm-hmm. you did mention it? I don't, I don't know. Just that whole sentence maybe could be gone. I later worked on board a cable-laying ship contracted to the America-Europe Connect project. The ship laid fiber optic... I don't know if that's... That should be two words, probably. Mm -hmm. The ship laid fiber optic communications cable between the US, UK, and Ireland. I participated in the patent trials of an acoustic release hook during this time. This hook... And there's two spaces right there between those two sentences... This hook releases the cable at the end of the project in order to leave the cable beneath the ocean floor. We tested multiple frequencies and fail-safe procedures. I spent most of my downtime on the ship learning about this invention from the specialists leading the trials. I also began researching the patent process at this time. I became inspired to use my engineering capabilities in a new way. Thoughts? I don't know. I, I'm not excited about this. I, I I don't know why. Yeah. I feel like there's so much going on in this statement from the beginning to now that I'm sort of like, well, what, what story do I focus in on and visualize and then draw a conclusion about this candidate? I feel like it's almost starting to feel to me like a resume. I agree. It's, it's too, it's just too much on and on with these projects and you're, I'm now, I'm not learning anything anymore mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like because <laughs> my response at this point now is just like okay but spare me the details of all of this <laughs> yeah uh, it's too it's too much with specifics about ship that's uh, shit that's just not interesting to me mm-hmm. you can give me one you got to pick one you know one or two projects that really did something awesome and if they connect to why you're now wanting to go to law school, that's great. And if they teach me some skill that you have, that's badass, that's great. But this is now just seeming like it's a, almost a data dump of like too many, too much about this work shit that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. That's how you feel about it. That's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have always enjoyed working with teams and combining my skill sets in new ways. telling yeah that's the whole sentence is telling i have a firm understanding of engineering drawings and understanding how new inventions function 
Through my experience working with inventors, I understand how difficult it is to create new, innovative intellectual property. These inventions are highly sensitive and require protection. I am pursuing law school so that I can guide future clients through complicated rules and regulations so that they may focus on their creations. I want to continuously challenge myself by pursuing this complex and evolving field of law. What do you think? Okay, so if... He says, through my experience working with inventors, I understand how difficult it is to create new innovative intellectual property. Why don't we just take one experience with one inventor and talk about that? And then we will see that you actually do have this experience and that you were actually involved on some level. And then we'll come to know that you know what you're talking about when you talk about patent law. And then you don't need to say anything else. You don't need to say, I want to continuously challenge myself by pursuing this complex and evolving field of law. We'll just be like, wow, this person knows what's going on when it comes to patents. And that's obviously why he's applying to law school. And so none of that other stuff needs to be said. You know, the two previous paragraphs are examples, right? Mm -hmm. We have the skyscraper rain collection system, and we also have this hook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in the ocean floor. Yeah. Maybe kill one of those and just only, and then maybe talk about one. It's almost like you just don't need to go so much into the details of what these things actually do. Yeah. Well, and I'm not even sure what to sleep on the engineering part of it. I don't know what, it's just notice what he says in this. Like if you go two paragraphs back, I assisted a partner developing a patent for skyscraper rain collection system. Uh, okay, how did you help? Did you? I work closely with software developers on the main controller to direct which signals. So there is some details here. I just, yeah, for some reason, like it's still hard to visualize what this person is doing or how they were involved. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Do we need maybe like to, like the inventor? Like the, like the a person that that he's actually working with. I think so. Like we think to liven think, it up. Yeah, we need him working with a specific person, and maybe the challenge that they ran into, and help us as lay people understand the challenge. Um, it says the design included backup pumps and an automated valve to prevent overflowing. But like, I'm still it's still kind of abstract on some ways. Like like. When you started talking at the beginning about the ship, it was a lot easier to follow, even though I don't know what steering pumps are or whatever. It's like, oh, here's there's a problem, and you helped solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to work with here. I'm sure he can figure it out. Yeah. But may, maybe we need a human here, an inventor that you can name or something. Mm-hmm. So that you can actually see, so that we can see you working, you know, side by side with this guy or whatever. And still, um, we need to know what you did because this is all about you ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah. But it would just make it so that we can get like a little more of a picture of what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um. Okay. Looks like it's going to shift gears here. Yeah, in oh, a very bad oh. direction. Ooh, okay. Before researching law schools, I reflected on what I most enjoyed about my undergraduate college, blank. Because he wanted it to be anonymous. Got it. Um, 
With an undergraduate population of 1,600, I knew all of my professors very well and still have a strong relationship with many of them. I realized that I was seeking something similar for law school. My visit to blank in April exceeded my expectations. I was truly impressed by how welcome I felt, both by admissions and professors. Admissions Um, are not people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, professors, plural, is a group of people. Admissions, uh, you need to say admissions staff, I guess. Yeah, and they're both capitalized. They should be lowercase. Yeah, okay. Um, I observed... What did I... Oh, and I also truly impressed Mm. the L-Y there. Truly. Yeah. You don't... You could just go ahead and omit that. Okay. I observed one of Professor Blank's classes on easement. I spoke with him during a class break. He was so welcoming of my questions and discussed my goals with me. I don't understand the point of any of this. I really loved your school. Everyone was so welcoming. It's such a great school. Was this like a puff piece for the school? I don't think they care how great they are. Hmm. Yeah. I am also impressed by the Blank Law students who recently won first place at some competition. And then he names a specific um, clinic that he pro- I probably shouldn't say would be an incredible opportun- opportunity for me to represent entrepreneurs and small business enterprises by advising on intellectual property matters. The opportunity that excites me the most is this certain certification program that enables students to practice intellectual property law before the U.S. PTO under the guidance of a faculty member. The experience to practice in this type of setting would allow me to grow while helping the community. It would also set me up for success after graduation. Can you just save this? This seems like it should be a separate essay, like a um, not your personal statement, but in a why as like an extra essay, like an optional essay. Anything yeah. else you'd like us to know? You could absolutely put all this stuff in there. Sure. Like, And skip the stuff about how you like the school and how they're so welcoming. Just say, I'm impressed with this particular program, especially... It sounds like it's unique to this school, or only a few schools probably do something that focuses on this sort of thing. And so your awareness of that program and your desire to get in it, given your personal statement on patent law, makes a lot of sense. But yeah, this is this is something for another statement. Yeah, they're, they're welcoming because they're trying to sell you <laughs> a very expensive product. It's like, I went into the Mercedes dealership. And man, they were so friendly to me. <laughs> it's like they got me a cup of coffee. They asked. They they had a super nice chair for me to sit in. They were they were. It was great. I talked to the lead manager during the break, and he was he so welcoming. All my, my questions. questions. <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean, if you if you submit this. I could definitely see them in the admissions office, like high fiving each other, of like, yeah, wow, look, go team, we did such a great job trying to sell this guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even like this professor, for one thing, professors are just nerds and love people coming and talking to them about nerdy shit and asking questions, and whatever. Professors are just they're hey, they're going to be friendly if you go up and talk to them at the break of their class. They're going to be really willing to talk to you. Every professor. But it also could be that this professor is like handpicked by the admissions office to, you know, be part of their like sales team. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay. It would be my privilege to learn while assisting the community through these legal clinics. I've enjoyed working with entrepreneurs in the past as an engineer, semicolon. I look forward to leading clients through the patent processes. Or, sorry, through patent processes. My unique experience, don't say unique. My unique experience in multiple engineering fields has enabled me to succeed and manage challenging situations. This will allow me to excel in patent law at blank. And he's wanting to name the law school again. Oh my gosh, haven't we said that before? Don't have a blank for law school. Oh, because he's trying to keep this anonymous. Never mind. Anyways, um, so this is definitely an SCPR. SCPR? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. I would say it seems as if he knows how to use the semicolon, which I will permit him to use it, but... He's going, he's going nuts with the semicolon. There's probably like 10 semicolons in this thing. Okay, so an SCPR with uh, an asterisk. It's, it's a, he needs to be put in a semicolon reduction program. Yeah. He's, he needs to exactly. be weaned off of semicolon. <laughs> but sometimes the best way is to just quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Quit cold turkey and then come back when it screams at you that you need one. Yeah, and also you kind of said it quickly, but unique. Stop using that word. Don't say unique ever. There are um, 7 billion people on this planet. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Walk around New York City and think about how unique you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also telling, you know, it's just mm-hmm. I have succeeded and managed challenging situations kind of thing. Like that's all <laughs> a lot of telling stuff. I, I would save... I think I just would save all of the specifics about the actual law school. You know, it's fine to be really into a law school. That's there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But but you got to cut all that out and um, and put it move it to a different statement. I would think. Mm-hmm. You can start with your. I mean, the stuff about being on the boat and a little bit about your career is great. Then you need to talk about like one invention or something and make it sexier so that we want to listen to your story. Talk about how you were specifically involved in one patent case, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, you can you can talk about how you know you you're you're looking forward to working in patent stuff, IP yeah. and and patent. That that's totally fine. You can absolutely talk about that, but I don't think you need to be talking about a specific school when you do that. And not to pile on here, but I'm I'm actually now just wondering what was the point of that story. At the beginning, with the boat, yeah, it almost seemed like story dropping. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah it it doesn't it it never pays off. It doesn't come back and pay off in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just like look at this heroic thing I did. Oh, but let me tell you some boring things about <laughs> patents. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little bit mean, but I mean, it, it's um, yeah. Th- there is a disconnect. I agree. Sorry, last thing. This is just again for everybody else, but uh, so many things are capitalized in this um, uh, statement. For example, I ran down to the engine room and found the chief engineer in a panic state. Chief, yeah. you, basically, here's the rule: you don't capitalize anything unless it's part of someone's. Name. So, if you said the president of the United States is walking around, I don't know if he's 
well, anyways, he's walking around. Well, that would all be lowercase. But if you said President Trump is walking around, then you capitalize president and obviously the word Trump, and now you're using capitalization. But that's really the only time. Just stop um, with classes too. Like people capitalize well, classes all the time. I took economics, capitalized. No, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Yeah, there's. I, I agree with. I agree with you on most things. I'm just wondering if because this is uh, on a boat. I think that um, like chief is a name. Yeah, but I would like this was his first assignment as chief. I would do that as lowercase. If you said oh, that chief could be Rogers, case, yeah. then I would capitalize chief and then Rogers, of course, if Rogers is his last name. But basically, yeah, maybe there are some times where you should capitalize, but if you have any doubt, lowercase it. Okay, so you'd lowercase all that stuff then. I would, yeah. Even the, right at the beginning, the captain. captain woke he me says up. the captain capitalized woke me up. I would just say the captain woke me up. The captain is lowercase. All right. I mean, if there's some like normal, if there's a rule of thumb in your industry and the people always use it that way, then fine. But a lot of times people are overusing it, and I feel like that was here too. Um, he also says I have spent time in areas of conflict where quote hazard pay, and that was capitalized. It's like why just. It's hazard pay. Anyways. Yeah, so go through the whole thing and consider decapifying all kinds of stuff. Decapifying. Yeah, there you go. Get rid of all those semicolons. Decapify everything. Consider reads. Yeah, you got to restructure that story a little bit more so that it. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think that's about all we have time for, Ben. Yeah. You're hosting. You want to wrap it up? Oh. <laughs> Just waiting for you, dude. Um, That was show number 149. Thank you very much. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay 